1: Welcome to the pastor's study.
0: You know, we American Christians tend to think about ourselves a little too much and we're going to try to break the mold and get out of America and ask the question, what is God doing around the world in reaching lost people for Christ? Uh, Specifically, we're going to talk about East Africa today. I want to introduce a missionary that just got back from East Africa, Jake Gillard. Hi, Jake. Greetings. Glad to meet you. And you're with the World Mission Prayer League. I am. And before we get into all the things we want to talk about regarding world missions, how did you come to know Christ?
1: Sure. Well, I attended a Lutheran congregation growing up and became especially active in the congregation around confirmation age and actually became involved in a youth evangelism organization called Ongoing Ambassadors for Christ. It's actually an organization that teaches youth witnessing skills. So just a shout out to them, because they really uh, help youth make their faith their own, especially those that have grown up in the church. So for me, I was a young man, 7th, 8th, ninth grade, and going out and, and talking to people about spiritual matters. Okay. And then able to articulate my faith to those that are willing to have those kind of conversations. Yeah. And when that happens uh, to a young person, uh, it really does something to your heart. Solidifies it for you. Solidifies it for Amen. sure.
0: So that was you when you were in high school or?
1: Yeah, middle school even. Okay.
0: And you've been a Christian ever since. Yes. And tell me, Jake, you, for four years, you and your family served as missionaries in Uganda. Yes. And the last three months, you just got back from... East Africa, mm-hmm. which is South Sudan, or what is East Africa?
1: Yeah, depending on how you count, it could be five or six, maybe seven countries. So I think most folks know where Kenya is, yeah. right on the coast with the Indian Ocean. Okay. And then just west of there, you've got Uganda. Uh-huh. And then to the south of Uganda, and even bordering Kenya, is a large inland lake. Do you know what it is? Lake starts with a V. Victoria? Victoria, uh-huh. you've got it. You didn't know this was going to be quiz time, did no, you? No, okay. But I won. <laughs> yeah, you, Okay. You won. What are his prize?
0: Well, let, let me ask you this because uh, just quickly so people know yeah. when Sudan was having its horrible problems, yep. tell me if I got this right you had the northern Sudanese, yep. the Muslims, persecuting southern Sudan, which is more Christian. Yes. And then in what year did that f- big fight so- finally stop?
1: Yeah. It's taken a long time. And yeah. so the largely Muslim-based government out of Khartoum and Sudan in, in the north, uh, in 2005, there was a comprehensive peace accord that was signed. Okay. And then it took several years. It wasn't until 2011 that there was actually a referendum In the early part of the year, and it was like ninety nine point nine percent referendum to form South Sudan, a Christian nation, to succeed more Christian from Sudan and become its own country, and that happened, and that happened, and then by the middle July of twenty eleven, we did celebrate independence, and I was there the day after. So, have the has the persecution
0: of Christians gone down since that accord? Because there were so many Christians being killed by by Muslims, wasn't it? Or you tell me.
1: Yes. There were Christians being killed by Muslims. There were Muslims being killed by Muslims. That's what Darfur was, actually. Mm-hmm. And Darfur is not in present-day South Sudan, but it's in Sudan. Yeah. And Su- Sudan, South Sudan, Sudan at the time was Africa's largest country on the continent. Mm-hmm. Um, it no longer is since the separation. And Southern Sudan is more Christian, Northern is more Muslim. Much more Christian. Okay. And so now South Sudan is about the size of Texas. And I don't want to generalize too much because in a country that size, there is so much going on. There are so many tribes that, that are at play. And then even after tribes, you've got clans and then other alliances, you know, based on political factors. And so it's a messy situation. There's no easy explanation, but, but I do like the way you're saying it. Uh, 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 Christian... Uh, a a nation that would self-identify as Christian in South Sudan.
0: And this tragedy that you told me of before the cameras, Mm -hmm. now in South Sudan, the Christian nation, they're fighting Christians against
1: Christians. Tell us what's going on. Exactly. So December 2013, now that they no longer had, you could say, a common enemy and that Muslim oppressor to the north in Sudan, now in December 2013, brother started fighting brother, Christian brother starting fighting Christian wh- wh- brothers. Why? You know, it's hard to say. Um, there's power involved, geopolitical power. There's other countries involved and, and pressures from is the it, international it, is community. Is it mainly
0: tribe and control who's going to run there's this country?
1: There's tribe that's involved, Dinka and Nuer. There's oil that's involved. Okay. So, so
0: now you've got Christians fighting Christians? You do. Oh, my. You do. Is the
1: gospel spreading where, in Uganda and in the southern Sudan? It is. And even in a place where the world seems to be spinning out of control these last three months that my wife and I were there on a special assignment, January, February, and March, uh, one thing that occurred to us is that the gospel message is even more powerful in those situations when where people, suffer. people are suffering and losing yeah. everything. Yeah.
0: Well, so now Uganda, is that a whole different... Yeah. The situation. I mean, you you have told me that Southern Sudan tends to be even more Christian than America as far as the
1: percentage. As oh, th- sure. As far as people self-identifying okay. the percentage. Okay. How about sure. Uganda? Yes. Again, a very Christian country. Compared to America, even. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, now, you have to drill down. And what does it mean for someone to be Christian? Uh, even in America, you've mm-hmm. got a variety of answers. And yep. in Uganda, you will have that as well. Similar then to South Sudan? or. Uh, pretty similar. I would say in both countries, um, there is a large Catholic presence that started early on, okay. but even more than that, a large Anglican presence. Okay. And so in Uganda, it's called the Church of Uganda, mm-hmm. and it is an Anglican church. Okay. And then in South Sudan, it is ECS, Episcopal Church of Sudan.
0: All right, the Church of England kind of missionized way, mm-hmm. way back with Dr. Livingston, I presume 1800s. Yes. So the Church of England is big in in parts of Africa, but here's, yes. my, here's my question for yes. you. Church of England is called the Episcopal Church in the United States. It's gone horribly liberal. Yes. Where the, the head bishop, uh, the a prior head bishop, mm-hmm. didn't believe you needed to preach the gospel because everybody's saved yeah. without believing in Christ, according to her. Mm-hmm. Has that liberalism infected the Episcopal churches in Africa?
1: I'm happy to say, by and large, no. In a word, no. Good. Um, very biblical, very conservative. Good. Um, People, you know, uh, your average Ugandan uh, in some ways will resent those unbiblical values that are being foisted on them Mm -hmm. when they are foisted upon them. Mm -hmm. Um, I want people to know that the church in East Africa, the church in Uganda, um, they are self-theologizing. You know, let's give them credit. They can do theology for themselves. Uh, And, And one
0: of the problems has been is that we evangelicals go over there and kind of make the the believers dependent upon us. Yes. How does that happen? I mean, we don't want that. We want them to be self sustaining like we are in America. Mm-hmm. H- uh, what needs to happen
1: there? Yeah, dependency is a huge thing. It's something I've studied quite a bit. Um, there there are unscrupulous people in every land in every culture that will take advantage. And of course, you know Americans are very very generous monetarily, aren't they? Mm-hmm. And what even might be like a small amount of money to an American can be an obscene amount of money for an East African. And so an American who travels there, it, it may be with good intentions on a short-term mission trip and they just start doling out cash. Um, that kind of wrecks things pretty quickly and could- you know? And
0: where should they give their cash then? Should they give it to the agency instead of individuals? Is that what you're saying?
1: Yeah. For me, the big thing is we don't want to, you know, tempt p- good people yeah. that, that could be yeah. you know, otherwise compromised. Okay. So, so when I encourage people about money issues, I say, make sure that you're working with an agency mm-hmm. that has a full-time presence on the ground. Okay. Because these are stewardship dollars. That's holy money, you know, that, that's God's offering.
0: What is, what is short-term missions for people that don't know? What,
1: yeah. what, explain what that is. Yeah, short-term missions, it, it takes many different forms. Um, I think we all know what the long-term career missionary service is. Someone who goes usually for three or four years to start. It used to be seven to ten years to start. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they'd ship their caskets with them, you know, in anticipation of of a death on the field. Mm -hmm. Um, But short-term oftentimes is ten days, two weeks. And something that happens in short-term missions, if you're not careful, um, is is you can get lulled into this... uh, this mentality that you're actually doing more than you're doing and that you're understanding more than you're understanding and you can actually come back year after year and never learn from your mistakes because you're just there for a short bite of time you can make the same mistakes over and over Mm -hmm. and never learn from them
0: so uh, short term missions is when like your church will take 20 people over there for two weeks and help build a well or something and um do you see in your ministry i'm just curious and maybe this is not a fair question, but what denominations or groups tend to really be reaching the loss for Christ? Mm -hmm. I mean, are there certain flavors of Christians that really seem to be really reaching people? What do you think?
1: I'd have to think about that a little more, but I guess my first answer would be, I think a lot of different folks should get the credit. Um, I think just a a lot of evangelical churches um, are trying to do good work. But even... No matter who it is um, who's over there, I find a lot of times um, people aren't always so good at, at um, as we say in, in the Lutheran church, dividing law and gospel and um, making a distinction between justification and sanctification. Mm-hmm. We, see, yeah. we see a lot of muddling I, I, of that.
0: I heard you speak, and this was interesting. Mm-hmm. You said some of these other denominations are mm-hmm. really good at sanctification, teaching yes. holiness and living out the Christian life, Yes, but they're not so good at teaching how we're saved, which is by grace alone through yes. faith alone in Christ's atonement, exactly. not by what we do. Yes, and, and so hopefully the Lutherans are pretty good on that one. That's mm-hmm. kind of the
1: center of of Lutheranism. Um, is that true? It's true. So we, the Lutherans have something to offer in a context where, where people aren't understanding that we are saved by Christ's atonement alone.
0: What do they have to offer us as far as the Eastern, East Africa Christians, the Uganda Christians? What can they teach us in the West, do mm-hmm, you think? Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I like um, where the apostle Paul talks about the, um, the wild branch being grafted in Romans 11. Yes, yeah. mm-hmm. yes. And um, if we look around our churches today, we need a little wildness to reinvigorate that, that uh, lethargic root or stem, don't yeah, we? Yeah, and Little life. Little life, little <laughs> life. So they've got a lot of life. We're too domesticated here. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they've got a lot of life. They kind of share.
0: worship rather freely. I mean, they're kind of wild in their worship. You, you, that's one way of putting it. Sure, <laughs> sure, sure. Good. Yeah, the spirit is there. Let's say that. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, what else do they offer us, would you say? Um, they, they offer us um, faith when it comes to... Um, you, you know, there's a different way of living your Christian life when mm-hmm. you have no other options, no other thing to rely upon, except God and God alone. Does it tend to be poor? By our standards, yes. And when we have conversations, if we go farther on that, we should make a distinction between poverty and abject poverty. Okay, Yeah. okay. Um, so, so yeah, um, I, I think so many of our brothers and sisters who, who are in East Africa can teach us a lot about faith. Because we as Americans, we have a lot of options. You know, we could go anywhere, and and if we run into an emergency, we can somehow, by our own strength, bail ourselves out. Mm -hmm. But uh, when an East African runs into a health crisis or a schooling crisis for their children, there's oftentimes nowhere else to turn. Mm -hmm.
0: What about this, Jake? Um, The... uh uh, you know, you are now your job is now that you're back in the States, your job is called mission promotion. Yep. Promoting missions. And let's say that somebody is watching this show. I'm going to give you two questions. Question mm-hmm. number one, and they're thinking, maybe God w- wants me to be a missionary. Yeah. How do they find out if that's true? How do they hash that out?
1: If someone wants to know if God is calling them to be a missionary, yeah. they should talk to other missionaries. Okay. Yeah. And in doing so, pray to the Lord of the harvest and, and talk to God about this. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, we could probably have some crazy st- statistic, like 88% of people that go into full-time missionary service do so as a result of speaking with someone who's a missionary in the Is field that right, right now. right? Yeah. Okay,
0: yeah. so t- find a missionary and talk to them. That's right. Uh, you can, they can call your office, the World Mission League, and they can talk to you. That's right. And we're gonna give that phone number Uh, You can go ahead and put that on the screen if you like. The World Mission Prayer League Mm -hmm. is here in the Twin Cities, but anybody this will be seen all over the country. Anybody can call the World Mission Prayer League or go to WMPL.org. Do we have a phone number? I don't know. There we go. Phone number is 612-871-6843 and talk to him or some missionary. Mm -hmm. Let me give you the second question. Mm All right, I don't think the Lord's calling me to be a missionary, but I want to use my wealth, my money, Mm -hmm. my time, my talents Mm -hmm. to somehow serve missions around the world. Mm -hmm. How do I know if I send my money to this certain place, it's going to go to missions rather than buying somebody a Cadillac? How Mm -hmm. do you figure that out?
1: Mm Well, there is the ECFA that you want to look for that
0: designation. ECFA, Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability. Look for that. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Look for that. And then request their annual report. And anyone can call our office at any time and request our previous years annual reports. We're happy to share those. Yep. Good. I can tell people they get a real bang for their buck at the World Mission Prayer League. We have 100 Lutheran missionaries in 20 countries. And we are fielding them basically on about... $2.4 million a year. Wow. I mean, you do the math. That is a bang for your buck. That is a bang for the buck. Yeah, right. And that includes, you know, their full-time stipend. We don't exactly call it a salary because it's not guaranteed, Uh but as people send in their money to support those missionaries, we do pass on 100% of those, and that's benefits and everything. I would say
0: that uh, the World Mission Prayer League is a great place to send your money. I mean, my belief is you give your tithe to your local church, but you give your offerings. You're above the 10% of your income. You give wherever you want, and World Mission Prayer League is good. I like um, Samaritan's Purse. Mm Hmm. Uh, what, other, doing good work. what are other groups? I like International Christians
1: Concerned, mm-hmm. helping the persecuted, Voice mm-hmm. of the Martyrs. Any other groups come to your mind? That there are some good water ministries out there. Okay. Uh, I mean, who can argue with water? I mean, that's a gift for yeah. a village. I mean, that helping that's people a game changer. dig
0: wells and such. Yeah, and they can find out that through World Mission. Through Project. us, yeah. Uh,
1: and then, I, I I actually like the idea of um, well. There's two different ways of doing it. You can kind of, um, you know, do a a little in a lot of different places or you can kind of focus. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe you need to have some kind of a mix in your portfolio. But if you're already supporting a missionary, maybe ask the missionary that you're supporting, are there any special projects that you'd like to implement? Sure. And, and, and see?
0: Gets, I mean, if I, I like international Christians concerned. Go to mm-hmm. persecution.org. Mm-hmm. When you give to them, they say, do you want to give to the Suffering Wife and Children Fund? Yes. Do you want to give to the Underground Pastors Fund? Mm-hmm. Do you want to go to the Radio Fund that mm-hmm. broadcasts into Islamic countries that won't permit the gospel, but they can't stop the radio for show from coming in. They cannot. So, and I like to pick and choose, so yeah. uh, good. All right, and you know, let's just talk about uh, for what is the life of a missionary like? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a lot of people, if, if you're a woman, you put your hair in a bun and you live in a hut, and you just, uh, you know, what what's, what's the life, you've done it mm-hmm. for four years. Mm-hmm. What did you do for four years in Uganda? Yeah. What was your job?
1: Yeah. So for me, I focused on theological education. There were 24 men that were assigned to me. These men aspired to be evangelists and pastors in a Lutheran church. And so basically they couldn't go to the seminary. So I was in a way a seminary on wheels and brought theological education to them in a format that's now widely known um, in these recent decades as TEE, Theological Education by extension. So it's distance learning basically.
0: And so you train the nationals Mm -hmm. and they're the pastors. Is that right? Exactly.
1: I was like a big circuit rider. Okay. Yeah. I I was equipping the saints, equipping those who were leading.
0: All right. So there's, I mean, you can be a missionary and just be a
1: mechanic, can't you? You can be a mechanic. You can be a a pilot, a teacher teaching missionary kids or Uh teaching in missionary schools that teach national children. You can, medical missions is still huge. So no matter what your job is, somehow you can
0: find a spot if God's calling you to world missions. That's right. Yeah. Let me ask you this, Jake. What if somebody said, but why don't you missionaries just leave these people alone? They have their own religion. Mm -hmm. Why do you insist on colonizing
1: them to Mm -hmm. Lutheranism or something? Mm -hmm. What would you say to that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a interesting conversation to have. I I know a lot of times um, you can look and find lots of examples of mistakes where missionaries have brought too much of the culture along mm-hmm. with the gospel message, so it's happen, and, yeah. and we can be honest about that, so yeah, it happens at times, but actually the goal is that we do bring biblical Christianity to these dear brothers and sisters in Christ that are requesting various things. In, in some ways, um, you know, we, we need to work hard and work through the cross-cultural communication because every time you're communicating cross-culturally, there's going to be some barriers that you're, that you're working through um, to find out exactly what their desires are and, and how we can help them, you know, meet their goals. And mm-hmm. sometimes that is a missionary Medical hospital mm-hmm. or clinic, and sometimes that is a, a missionary school. Um, sometimes that is agriculture consultancy, and sometimes it's seminary and theological education. Do you, you know, what I what I've heard
0: from a missionary in the past was, for a missionary, the biggest headache can be mm-hmm. getting along with other missionaries. Yes. <laughs> what are some of the, I mean, what are some of the difficulties of being a missionary?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, you've got cultural things and just what I like to call hassles that go along with, with living, you know, in a place foreign. where you didn't grow up, a foreign country. Yeah. And so my from of reference is East Africa so much and the developing world. Um, but we've got missionaries in Hong Kong, you know, that aren't inconvenienced, so to speak, um, when it comes to the modern conveniences right. that, that we talk about here. Yeah, yeah. They're not dealing with where to source their water or, you know, things yeah. like that. Um, so. For someone who's working maybe in East Africa, um, I could say, yeah, it is still those things about where to source your potable water and, and where to get good medical care when you need it, and and uh, getting around, and visas and dealing with governments. <laughs> I'm hearing so many times now, uh, our missionaries, uh, we've always had to deal with, with these uh, visas and work permits, but uh, it's getting trickier. So day-to-day headaches what what about this jake Mm -hmm. are there cults involved
0: in east africa are there There are which cults Jehovah's witnesses
1: the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints or mormons okay yeah and uh are, do, do they have a big impact? Or are they smaller than the evangelicals? Or? They are, thankfully, they are smaller. Okay. I think people, um, you know, let's face it, um, even though maybe not a lot of Ugandans are members of the Anglican church anymore, maybe their grandparents were, mm-hmm. but now they have gone to other churches, um, the Anglican Church did a fairly good job of teaching the Trinity, teaching the trinity, teaching the faith, and good. people can read their Bibles. The good. Bible societies have been there in East Africa for a while. There's still more work to do, yeah. and we're still translating.
0: Is there much animism, meaning worship of the spirits and kind of superstitious stuff? Does that go on a lot in your part of Africa?
1: Yes, um, but this is something that even... East Africans may not want to talk about so much. Okay. Uh, we may not want to publicize so much. Uh, we need to be respectful on how we talk about this because they're, they're frankly, and sometimes embarrassed. Um, it is tempting. You know, each culture has its own temptations to fall into sin and, and fall away. Mm-hmm. And um, without going into what ours are in North America, we can say that in East Africa, someone who is a Christian, may still be tempted in a time of trial to fall back into what we call African traditional religion or ATR. And that's basically this animism, okay. um, what you might associate with the witch doctor or something like I, that. I see. And we still, they still use that term witch doctor. Okay. Um, so, So it, it is there. All right. It is there. What about this? Do you see
0: demon possession more over there? Have you had to deal with that, the demonic?
1: I don't know that I see it more there, um, but we do see it, and it is fairly obvious. Yeah, okay. Do
0: the different denominations over there tend to work together, or do they say, look, the Episcopalians will take this city, Lutherans will try over here, or how does that work?
1: It's not exactly split up into those regions, Mm -hmm. but I can tell you, just being with People on the street and my students, um, Christians of all flavors mingle well together, and it's probably a pleasing palette to the Lord when these brothers dwell in unity. I agree. Now, the
0: the liberalism that mm-hmm. is killing the liberal mainline Protestant denominations. I mean, the United Church of Christ, the Episcopal Church in America, ELCA Lutherans, PCUSA Presbyterians. Mm-hmm. Their numbers are just shrinking mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. those te- the, those churches tend to be very liberal. Mm-hmm. Everybody's saved, according to some of the pastors. You don't need to believe in Christ and you know, homosexuality, abortions, that's okay, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Has that kind of teaching invaded the churches overseas?
1: Not so much. In fact, when these liberal denominations have tried to force it upon them, even, you know, through, you know, threats to withhold funds and and whatnot, thankfully, uh, so many African churches have stood up um, for themselves and for Christ's gospel and said, you know what? We don't really need that. We can well, do just fine without you. I saw and they do. A, I saw a liberal
0: Lutheran missionary, mm-hmm. ELCA, mm-hmm. and her basic point was, I don't go over there. And my job is not to convert anybody. Mm-hmm. My job is to listen. Well, <laughs> And, you know, it was pretty obvious. She, I thought that she didn't think
1: she needed people needed to be converted. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you run into missionaries like that? Are they pretty few and far between? I would say they're few and far between. Good. Um, there's almost an irrelevance there with that kind of a mentality. Um, yeah. yeah. Why, why, go why go overseas? Why go if yeah. you're just going to listen? Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, and, and the thing is, Africans, East Africans, um, uh, we need each other, and we want these relationships. We, we, we have this term, we say, sharing experiences, and it's basically fellowship, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. Good, yeah. good. Well, Jake, we've only got like a, a minute and a half left.
0: If people want more information about how to support Mm -hmm. uh, these missionaries or how to be a missionary, uh, uh, you can uh, go to your website, which is Mm WMPL.org. And your phone number one more time. 612-871-6843. Great. And everybody, uh, just thank you, Jake, so much for being with us. And we want to ask you, we just got a minute here, but. Pray for missions. I've I've got one one day a week. I've got mm-hmm. my list. Uh, often I'll pray through my mission list, mm-hmm. and you know maybe call World Mission Prayer League or get this is from the International Christian Concern, little daily devotional where you pr- where you read it and you pray for people and stuff. So just let every Christian needs to be involved in world missions. J- the last words of Jesus on earth were, "Go ye therefore mm-hmm. and and disciple the nations." So we need to uh, to do that. And if I could just plug our mission here. The Pastor's Study is funded by just you. Uh, we're also a very uh, shoestring operation and uh, the the y- your money that you send to this mission does not go to get me a Cadillac. <laughs> we're, we're here just to preach the gospel. The more money come in, the more we uh, add stations around the country. So if you'd be praying for our ministry, we'd appreciate it. You can support us at pastorstudy.org or there'll be a, a uh, address coming up if God leads you to support us. But also support the World Mission Prayer League. They Thank do a wonderful work. And everybody, we'll see you next time here on this channel for The Pastor Study. God Thank bless you. you. Thank you for watching The Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry?